welcome to Mentors on the Mic podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Simone Miller, a New York City native actress with credits in film, television, off-Broadway, and commercials. Every Monday, I'll bring you an incredible mentor in the entertainment industry, focusing on how they started and how they moved up to where they are today. My goal is to encourage you to follow your dreams and give you a playbook on how to get there. Thanks for listening and let the episode begin. All right, everyone, you asked for more casting directors. Our casting director episodes are so popular. I get such great feedback from them. You asked, I answered. Here is Julie Tucker, Emmy-winning, two-time Emmy-winning casting director, Julie Tucker, who has worked on some of our favorite shows casting out of New York, everything from Damages to Six Feet Under to The Americans to The Following to Nurse Jackie to White Collar. Should I continue? It's a long, wonderful list. We talk about everything from starting out with her just trying to find a job and start in the entertainment industry in New York, all the way to having her own casting office with Ross Meyerson. They have Tucker Meyerson casting, one of the biggest casting offices in New York. And we go over it, guys. If you are interested in casting, if you just want to know about the entertainment industry, this is a great one. If you are an actor, man, we got the greatest answers for you. I got three wonderful actors to record clips of themselves asking their questions, and I played it for her on the podcast. And we go over everything from self-tape tricks uh, what to do here? Are two tips for her from her on what to do when you get nervous. This is great for anyone, but specifically actors. If you get nervous, what do we, what do you do? She gives you two tips for that, as well as what habits should you create for yourself right now when we're doing self tapes all the time at home instead of going into the office. You're gonna want to know that one. So without further ado, here's Julie Tucker. Welcome, Julie, to Mentors on the Mic. And my first question is always, what was your first role in the entertainment industry? My first role, <laughs> well, I kind of think suddenly I flashed to being in Fiddler on the Roof as like nine-year-old. That counts, man. That really <laughs> It was a college production. Oh. At, we lived in Tallahassee, Florida. And uh, yeah, and I was like oh. completely smitten with the theater at that point. But I was mesmerized by what was happening on stage to the point where I was so caught up in it that I actually wasn't aware of my own self on the stage. Yes. So, um, oh, the director so you get it, did. you get it. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. So that was like my first role in the entertainment industry, yeah. so to speak. But then like my first job more professionally was working for Tom Ian and Henry um, Krieger at La Mama as an assistant to the stage manager. Excellent. And so how did you get that job? Backstage. Nice. Excellent. <laughs> See, time and like it just, it lasts. It's great. It's the gift 500 years giving. ago. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Amazing. I used to live in those, you know, um, those trade magazines trying to kind of find my entry into this industry. So, yeah. you know, and they just always inspired and I would send out the resume and the cover letter. And this one company actually reached out La Mama and they needed an assistant to the stage manager. And it was extraordinary because Tom Mayan, of course, had created all this incredible off-Broadway um, work, body of work. He's best. He was best known for dream girls, of course. 
So that's the, he wrote the the book and the lyrics, wow. I think. And then Henry Krieger wrote the music. Amazing. And he also probably wrote the lyrics. Anyways, working with them was really, I mean, I got spoiled. It was like stepping into the movie version of what I imagined theater was like. Mm. Do you ever go to La Mama still or ever? Not now, for- but like before. Um, before that, yeah. Before the pandemic, I meant really. Yes. Well, not recent, recent. Okay. It's been it's been a while. Yeah. It's it feels like it's been a, a few actual lifetimes since I've actually been there. Oh, good to know. Yeah. It was well, a magical so how, space. How long were you there for? How long were you doing that, the assistant to the stage manager I, role? Maybe it was six weeks. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. And so how'd you get your next thing? Well, I had that on my resume, you yeah. know, I was, I was in school still. So I went back to Bennington college. Um, and when I came out of school, I went right into an internship at the public theater in casting. Incredible. That was life-changing. Incredible. And how long really were you there at life-changing. The public for? Well, the internship is a specific six month internship. Okay. So it just lasted those six months, but from there I met Martin Charnin and went to work with him on the benefit that he was doing for the public that spring. <laughs> so you had an internship that led to a position or was it still an internship when you were working? Oh, no, no. I went to work for Martin as his assistant. So nice. that led to a paid position. It wasn't a, a permanent. It was yeah. job to job. Yeah. But there was always a line in the budget for the assistant. So I started there at the public with him doing um their annual spring benefit. And we did that. We returned to that like several years. Then I went off with him to work on the sequel to Annie, which had many yeah. different names, Annie Warbucks, Annie two. We went up to good speed in between. We worked on other shows together, like carnal knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a whole bunch of musicals that he was developing. So it was extraordinary to sit next to him and watch his creative process. And of course the casting process too. And in between working with him, because it was freelance, I would go back and work for casting directors as their assistant. Because I had this amazing skill that I had learned at the public and I loved doing it. So I would go like pop into like different offices when their assistants would go on vacation and I would fill in. Casting is incredibly creative, but it's a, it's a marriage of creativity yeah. and business. So, and then in between that, I would go work for agents as a filler also. So I was like- Amazing. An, I had yeah. some created like an industry temp and which is great because I had no real office skills. I had couldn't waitress. So it was nice to have this side gig that I could do to fill in the times in between working with Martin. And then eventually I went from working with Martin to working with the filmmaker, Terrence Malick on a play that he was developing. So I I feel very blessed that my, you know, my entry into the industry was with these um, passionate but gentle men that would listen and always oh. created that space yeah. for a voice, even when the voice was totally wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you're happens. young, you know, yeah. you're young. Julie, let me ask, do you recommend, or out of curiosity, do you, do you recommend actors like who are in college, who are interested in acting to get internships at casting offices? Or you kind of feel like that's probably not the right internship for them? The latter. I yeah. don't recommend it. I think because the trajectory with casting should be for people that are really interested in casting. And as an actor, what you get exposed to in the casting process, while it can help with um, the myths of the business, it also gives you too much information on another side. Mm. And that information 
feeds into some of the stories the actors already have in their nervous system. So I don't think it benefits them. Now, where being in a casting office, I think is a great benefit for an actor if they can find an office to work as a reader, because then you're in the audition room. Right. But if that is the case, you have to really be aware that you're there for the other actors and not for yourself. So there has to be an incredible generosity of spirit. Uh, this isn't about me. This is about them and, and finding how to work as a reader within those guidelines. Absolutely. How about for agents offices? Do you think actors should have internships maybe at some point or another at agents offices? No. It's boundaries at the end of the day. Mm. And it's boundaries of protecting their artistry too. So one can go into that thinking it's going to give an advantage, but those are very different environments than what the actor's environment calls for them to do. Yeah. So I do think it's incredibly important for actors to be incredibly educated on what casting directors do and what agents do. Yeah. That education, yeah, you can get in a casting office, sure, if your nervous system allows you to do that. Most people, it just doesn't happen. It's just, it's it's like a kid in a candy shop. Fair. Yeah. And it's a sugar rush. So there's not um, the ability to kind of focus and take in that information is really difficult. Excellent. Yeah. I appreciate it. I just was curious what you thought yeah, of that. Of course. Um, yeah. So, so we're, okay. So we're working for these, for these incredible directors, these powerhouses. Yes. And did you then go back to casting or did you kind of stay within this trajectory for a bit before taking the turn, if you will? Back. The turn in the road appeared Yeah, and it appeared in a timing that also was running consecutively to some personal things in my life, which were, I wanted to settle down into a job where I knew what the next paycheck was coming so that I could know how to pay my rent and know how to build that part of my life. Yeah. And when a job at Manhattan theater club opened up as a casting associate working with Nancy Piccioni, who I'd worked for at the public, it was just a perfect marriage of everything I've been doing. Yeah. And so that is where the turn in the road for me appeared as, you know, and then, it, you know, the, the road still continued with lots of turns. It wasn't like a straight path for me at any point. And so what was after Manhattan Theater Club? I went off and did a couple things on my own. I went and directed too. And yes. then, yeah, that was really fun. And then I got a gig um, in television as a casting associate. And that just blew my mind. Yeah. And at the same time, maybe right before then, I also, was it before that? No, it was after that. I also got a gig doing, um, so after the gig on the television show as an associate, I was like, I was hooked. So it was, I mean, I was like, we're doing in four days what I used to have to do in six months. And then we get to do it all over again. And the critics don't come in and, (sighs) and kill the show. We get another start at it. And I was like, this is amazing. And then we get, it was half hour. So then we got a week off to recover, regroup. It was insane. Um, Right. But I was like, this is amazing. But I didn't go. Where was this? Was this for a network? Yes. I mean, it was for, it was for the, um, the new Cosby show. And then what, what was after that? Then I went and um, 
did some back to theater. We went back. I did uh, Williamstown Theater Festival. Yes. Um, co-casting that with Amy Christopher. And we did that. And then from there, went to the roundabout for a year. Mm. I was on staff there and worked on amazing productions from, you know, a flea in her ear with Bill Irwin to a, a view to from like, the bridge with Alison Janney. Yeah, that was really amazing. And then eventually um, I had met somebody who was at the roundabout who had wanted to bring on a New York person to cover pilot season mm. for their television company. Mm. Her, this wonderful woman, Holly Powell, um, the company was Greenblatt Janelary. But very last minute, because that's what television's like. I got hired for that gig, had to kind of quickly in a week, like scramble, open up an office. Wow. How'd you do that? Really fast is all I know. <laughs> really fast. You find it, it's it just, out. you do. You really do. And, and it was just you? Like you were the person? It was just me in New York. Wow. Yeah, I had to find an assistant associate. Like it was, it was, but it was everything I had wanted to do. So when you put that energy behind it, you figure it out. Yeah. You just figure it out. That's just, and it's a figure outable thing. So I was their New York person and it's just a three month gig too. So it's a lot of like set up for three months. I mean, it was amazing. So, but I had never like put people on tape really. I had never done what the job was, what I was about to do. Wow. So I was like, zoom in, zoom out. And I was like, okay, I need to learn how to work a camera. <laughs> how to like frame the actor, like all the things you guys go through too, right? On your own, like how to, yeah. what is a frame? What is all, you know, like what's going to shoot it best? And, uh, you know, work on, you know, translating the performances too. Cause that's, that is very much what we do. And translating like a lot of the people that I was bringing in at that time, especially were theater people. And, yeah. and recent graduates from school. So it was like looking at everything through a lens and working with the actor that way too. But it was a really incredibly exciting time. Um, you know, it's interesting because I remember that that spring and I remember I was working with Alan Ball on a project uh, and I had shown him some actors from New York and one of the actors he loved was Michael C. Hall mm. for his pilot. We didn't end up flying him out or testing him. I forget why all the details behind it, but a year later, that will have a whole other end to the story because Six Feet Under will come along and yeah, I'll be in a whole other place. Well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you have this new office. You kind of put this space together. You hired a casting assistant, a casting associate. You were working on this on this television show for a while. And then what? What was after that? So I was covering pilots. So I covered like six or 10 pilots for them. Amazing. And then all the casting directors on all those pilots. I was working with all of them. And then it was over. Like any gig, it was like, and scene, you're just like looking around. What do I do next? Quiet. (laughs) It's really quiet. So you pack up all the boxes, move them back into the studio apartment and you're like, okay, what do I do next? And and so through agents that I had worked with specifically Sarah Fargo, a job opening came up with Lynn Kressel for law and order SVU. Yes. And that was a big deal. And that was basically the rest was history from there for me. I mean, that was television. I learned how to do television in my time there. Uh, I did pop over to LA for a brief stint. And before I came back, I always joke, rescue me, rescued me. And was rescue me. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I like um, it. It was such an amazing, yeah. I always joked, rescue me, rescued me, brought me back to New York. I was only in LA for like six months or maybe three months. It just feels like longer That's for enough. a New York girl. And I love LA. I, yeah. But yeah, so doing that, then I jumped over to LA for like a minute, just do some pilots and came back to New York with rescue me. And then eventually uh, met Ross 
And then that's really where Tim Meyerson was born from. So how did that partnership come up? So like, did you just meet him and you were like, you, you, we should do something. How did that fall into place? So I had met him several times through a mutual friend, Mark Sachs. And Mark Sachs had given me great guidance going from theater to television, you know, like explaining how things work, breaking down, um, you know, the all the different players in television, because because theater was like pretty direct, literally direct. I mean, you saw everybody you were going to work with from the writer, the producers to the director television. There's so many other cooks that you don't ever even see, but you work for them all. Yeah. In the kitchen, so to speak. So um, through Mark, I met Ross. I had met him several times. And then uh, I had another project come in. I called Mark. I was like, I really need help. Is there anyone you know? And Ross had been working with him and there had been, they had been on a long hiatus. So I called Ross and he was able to be available. I said, it's like six weeks, maybe at most. And I think it's been like, Fifteen years. I don't know. I've lost track of so years. cool. Yeah, he came in as an associate because that's what the job was, and I was like, okay, you okay? I was like, so we moved pretty quickly into uh, getting. Could we have projects coming in? So it moved pretty quickly. Again, there is a kind of natural order to something when there's an effortlessness to it. What it's meant to be. It's not yeah. a lot of work to make something happen. So there's work, but it's 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 you're writing with the um, current as opposed to against it. So the current was really supporting us energetically with our partnership. And so, which also just reaffirms that this is right to me. Yeah. And I'd work with a lot of people who I really enjoyed and liked, but Ross was somebody I really clicked with and we complement each other. I'm curious. Well, we have very similar taste and sensibilities and, and also at the same time, different styles. And so we'll have different points of view on actors. I think that's helpful that we're not always in agreement because mm. talking through something, you learn something more about the project and about the talent you're discussing for the project. So that I found to be, I guess, like inspiring. It kind of brings you up to another level and challenges you, but we see things a lot alike more than anything. So like, you know, I always joke, he's like my brother from another mother. It's like, yeah, it's when we laugh a lot. Yeah. So at any point in time, you guys are casting multiple stuff and there's, there's been even periods where, I mean, other actors and I look at each other, like Tucker Meyerson has everything right now. It seemingly mm-hmm. like, it's just all these major shows you guys are casting at the same time and projects and some of the stuff we're not even fully aware of because, you know, there's only so much that we get to hear. But my question is, how do you guys receive projects? How do you guys do you get pitched to, do you pitch to networks? Is it at this point, it's been like, you know, I haven't really pitched in a while because people know who you are and they're just kind of like, you do great work. Let's go to you. How does it work? How did it work? How has that evolved? Yeah, it's interesting. It is a combination of all of those factors and the work that, that comes to us from repeat clients, from new clients. Um, occasionally we go out and pitch ourselves, but it's really rare yeah. because for the most part, um, I always say this about actors, which is you don't know you're on my list. (laughs) You just don't know, like until you know. And the same applies for us as casting directors. So I think, and so this relationship, people know your work, you you sit on lists, your name gets passed around, you're supported in this invisible network that out here, when you're struggling to find a job, you don't always see or trust in. 
but it's there because I know how much is there for you guys. So then I know that same rule applies to all of us, all of us. There's much more support and good happening than our awareness will allow for. It's, it's a kind of, it's a crucial thing for any artist to really hold in their heart because I think it's really easy, especially in the times we're in right now to lose sight of that because you guys are throwing out, you're just like constantly putting things in the ether without even getting feedback that it's seen. At least when yeah. you came in the room with me, you knew you were seen. Right. Exactly. I mean, it's a weird, I mean, we were talking about the pros and cons before we started of self tapes. And I think that feels to me the con. But, you know, in a way, I feel like that's a good thing for any of us to work on, or I should speak for myself in that I think the thing that actors have to consistently kind of work on for the most part, generally speaking, is the need for validation from whoever you're Mm -hmm. working with. Like the casting director, usually like I feel like the one thing I always tried to catch myself not to do, or sometimes I, you know, I'm not aware of it as much, but is to look up at the casting director after like, even if it's just a subtle like. How was that? Did you, did you, was that it? Because it's not about that. And we know that intellectually, it's just a habit. Sometimes when you're in the room, you're like, was that good? Did my, you know, cause you're vulnerable when you're creative and you're doing your own work. And it's like, how is that? So it's, it's in a way, the, the other side of things, it's nice to not have that. So it sucks that mm-hmm. you, you're never going to get anything from, you know, the ether, as you said, sometimes, but at the same time, you're not having to look for that anymore. I'm curious what it'll be like when we do start going in person again and how as a whole, how you'll see actors change in the room. I could go either way. I'm curious. Yeah, I think there's so much to what you just said. Um, I know you're writing a book on this stuff. So I, I, oh, I, I definitely want to ask am. you all about this. I am. So like you just, you, you just tapped into like a lot of it right there. Um, but jumping into the into the into the forward question, into the question about what will it be like, I, I think we will all have to go back with an incredible sense of care. Um, mm. Our our nervous systems are going to have a lot on their plate, and I think as actors, that is going to be something that you will have to take great care of yourself. And some of it begins right now with the self tape practice. All right. So like some of it starts with creating really good boundaries that you're not stopping in the middle of a take, getting through tapes, creating these habits that you're going to want from the room so that you're in that mindset and not allowing what you can do in a self tape and get away with. I love that habits. So like, I always recommend when I'm teaching, like, okay, do three takes. That's it. Give yourself a boundary of three takes. Give yourself the boundary of making it all the way through a take, no matter what happens. Yes. Because auditions are all about recovery. Your work on set is all about recovery. And here's the thing. When you go back and look at that take, you might be like, oh, that mistake that felt was like, "Mm," and the take was gold. So what happened in the room so much with me and actors is is like actors would stop. I'd be like, Why? I don't, you just, you just stumbled a little bit. Like, it's like a little, I'm an ink, like it's not even anything that anyone else would see except for you and me, because we're in sync at the moment. I would, the take was gold. And then, and then it's really hard because it's really hard to then the actor to drop back in, you know, cause the muscles, it's, it's a muscle. It's a, it's like a, a mu- it's a muscular thing in the body. So 
it's really important when people are doing self-tape that they hold that themselves at the same accountability that they would if they were in the room. So that's the work, you know, and I it doesn't that. become, I mean, that's a I always, really good tip. It's a really good habit. You're right for us to work on because we have the luxury of being able to stop and start however much we want now, but like when it will go back at some point to in-person or even just when we have like the zoom audition type things, right. Where you're just like, all right, this is live. This is as live as this can be in my home. Um, there's still that, you know, you don't want to have that habit, like you said, of just wanting to stop and start or feeling like internally we're doing something not the way we want it to. And then having that be something that debilitates your audition or, or takes you away from what you're doing. Cause it, chances are no one else will realize that the, whatever internally is going on in your mind that you're like, I'm not nailing this, you know, like I'm Correct. not doing all the things I prepared. It's like, it's, it's still fine. It's there. Yeah. It's beautiful and interesting. And it's the, the process of self-taping, the process of zoom, the technicalities of it engage another part of the, the brain and the nervous system. So what has to be really cognitive in the brain about that Yeah, and not get lost in that and has to go back to know what is my job as an actor? Okay. I've right. got like, and that's, you know, I'm a big believer in get your practice going, like have like be on zoom, you know, working with material on zoom that the way you would do it as an actor auditioning do practice self tapes. You know, I love, um, Audrey helps actors yeah. another podcast, right? Yes. And she's got that. She's got that great self tape. And I think it. exactly. I said, forget self, just right, self tape is great. Do self tape may, but do, do it in like September, do it whenever it suits you. Um, because, it engages the muscles so that you know what to do when the opportunity presents itself. Because my vantage point has always shown me the opportunity presents itself very few are ready. So get as part of the, the getting ready process is making sure that everything is set up, that you have done some creative nesting, right? So Excellent. like that way, you know, that space that you can just drop into and do your actor thing without having to cognitively really turn on the other part of the brain when you have to do the work as the actor. It's like you have the technicals set for you. So you just go lights, lights, here I am. Boom, this is how I read. This is how my, my eyeline goes. Yeah. And you just know, and you do it so much that it's it as a drill that when, when it's time to like run that race, you're like right there, present, able to do it in the best shape. Excellent. Oh, I love that. Thank you. I, I just like took notes. I was like, remember that, go back to that. Hey, Gen Z Allison Weeks from Lights, Camera, Rolling, Mom podcast. It's a show for moms by mom with stories from moms in the entertainment industry. Each episode, we talk about motherhood and industry balance with incredible moms like Criminal Minds casting director, Lisa Zambetti, Jessica Simpson's vocal coach, Linda Seption, and even Peloton instructor, Christine Jericho, just to name a few. Our second season is available now, starting the season with Emmy winner and costume designer for Showtime's Yellow Jackets, Marie Schley. Check out Lights, Camera, Rolling Mom wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you haven't yet, make sure to subscribe, comment, and share Mentors on the Mic podcast. This episode is sponsored by We Audition. All right. I want to introduce you to our first sponsor, We Audition. 
We Audition is such a great resource. I was originally introduced to We Audition because I had an audition on it. And so I made a profile and I looked at all the stuff that they offer. Not only can you potentially audition on this, but you can get a reader. If your go-to person to self-tape with is not available, get a reader on this thing, right? You can look at their reviews. You can find the person you're looking for. It's all actors who know what they're doing. You don't even have to ask your partner. You don't have to ask your sister who knows nothing about acting. You can just get a reader on We Audition. You can also make a little extra money and be a reader on We Audition. So you can charge for your services and act, which is lovely. There's also great community and advice. There's resources, actor meditation. There's these daily actor journal pages, which are so good. Highly recommend. And with my discount code, Michelle25, you can get 25% off. And that's right. Michelle25, 25, 25% off, guys. I don't you know, say yes to everyone who wants to be a sponsor, but I really do like We Audition. Highly recommend it if you're an actor. Um, let me just add, let me do like a quick lightning round type thing where I'll just mm. name a show that you've worked on and just oh. like, tell me a couple things that you like, remember or feel about that show. Right. Cool. Cool. So lightning round, let's just do a right. quick thing on, right. let's give you Good. a show. So let's go with six feet under. Oh man. <laughs> okay. What do I, rem- what don't I remember? I mean, that was the most amazing process ever. Alan Ball, you know, Michael C. Hall, Lauren, Francis, all these people came in from New York, Matthew St. Patrick, they all walked in the room. And there was a whole group of other people that came in in the room in New York that also tested for those roles too. But I think more than anything, it was working and seeing someone like Alan and his artistry and how like he was able to navigate kindness and graciousness and still be fierce. Excellent. I'm surprised you didn't say your Emmy. Right, oh, yeah, yeah, there was, that was fun. That was that was side thing. I love that though. I love that you were like, here are all these amazing things. Oh yeah. yeah. I would give, I mean, honestly, like I would give it back to have like more time with Alan Ballroom. Um, I mean, that was like that's where I mean it was a priceless. fun moment in time, but yeah. like what your soul gets is oh yeah, I, I know mushy. <laughs> I love that though. What about um white collar? Oh, that's just that is fun, fun, fun. I mean it was that was a show that was that was just fun to navigate creatively as a casting director and that cast. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, right now I think of Willie Garson. So yeah, that's what I really remember and hold dear. And um, you know, I, I'm incredibly grateful, you know, for that part of the process too. And and from again, yeah, I mean, okay, now we're on a kindness theme, and that was, those were his words that he left us with: "Be kind." Nurse Jackie. Oh my goodness! I mean that. That cast was such a special group. Yeah. Also, I mean, all the casts were special. Yeah, I, I know. know like, yeah. I just think putting together that group, that dynamic of all these different energies uh, and how that made that show was so exciting to watch. Do you watch a lot of the shows that you also, I mean, it's probably oh, everything. Hard to, yeah, no, everything, everything. Oh, yeah. It's like appointment television. Yeah. Appointment television. Well, like, I mean, you have to hope you're casting and working on stuff you love for that right. reason. Absolutely. But I'm thinking oh, it's to myself, so like, exciting. you're like so immersed in the script. You're seeing, you're, you're hearing people read it over and over and over again in auditions. And then you're like, and I'm still going to tune in on Tuesday night, you know? Yeah. Um, well, that nurse Jackie know. was an easy one. Yeah. I mean, no, of course. That writing on that show 
was extra- is extraordinary. You, you get a lot of smart shows. Like, a, I mean, I may feel like you have yeah. to have a certain level of intelligence to, to often, you know, be a drama on, you know, in, uh, in New York or in general, but I feel like a lot of your shows are smart. Like the following, for instance, was the next one yeah. I was going to ask you. Smart I mean, show. Very smart. I mean, that, that, that I just, I mean, that was, I think one of the things I loved about the following is the rolling with everything on that show. Like you had to constantly go, okay, what's working in two days. We don't have pages yet. Okay. So can we pull pages from this? Is this going to be the big bad? Is this a good, you know, like navigating that and then helping the actor in the room find all that. Uh, Mm. And then, you know, then there was always the funny part, which was (laughs) I turned to CJ and be like, does the character have to die on, on screen? And she'd be like, yeah. So, oh, okay. So it meant the actor had to do the death scene. It was really important no, to the creators I, of the show because they had been burned on how people died. Yeah. So then I would be like, okay, so at the end, you must show me your death. And we'd like coach people through death scenes or like no, I try friend, to help them. I have a friend whose only her role was just to die. Like you guys cast her. It wasn't like an extra role. She cast yes. her because you needed to see how she died. And I was like... That's a different kind of show. It's awesome. I mean, and a different kind of work in your brain. So like they would call us and they would be like, okay, we have a subway car scene and we, no one speaks, but we need to cast it because we need to see how people are going to. So I would literally have like four actors in a room. I was like, okay. So like, how do you die like, by this you know, like, how do you, right. Exactly. No, I was like, like you're... exactly. So you're going to lean on this chair and slip down it. You're going to do this over here. You're going to cross at this point in time. A lot more direct here. Exactly. And just kind of, you know, the, it's like a D work. Cause like, you're also like setting yes. it all up and how, cause you'd have to bring in several people to play the scene. Um, which Funny. served me really well when I got to hunters, because there was a lot yeah. of work on that. That was nonverbal and creating the space for the actors to come in and, and play out some horrific scenes. Um, you know, I was really grateful for the work I'd done in the following because that at least was imaginary. This was kind of more pulled from actual like historical yes. references. And so really being able to hold the space for actors during that and allow them to do this nonverbal work. Well, that's it's really like- hard. Yeah. Sounds yeah. fun. So, it sounds fun though. I know it is. It's crazy fun. <laughs> so I have this thing I'm going to do. I'm going to play a couple um, actor friends of mine, uh, like who listen to the podcast questions for you. Oh, cool. This is like cool. a new thing. Okay. So here we go. This is the first one. Hey, Julie, it's Jenny Ann Hochberg. I hope you've been well. I know you're so supportive of actors and you're writing this amazing new book. Congratulations on that. My question for you is, when nerves come up for actors, what is your best suggestion of how to deal with them? Thank you so much. That was Jenny Ann Hochberg. I don't know. Yes, I recognized her voice. Thank you. Hi, Jenny. Hi, Jenny. So step one is not to fight them. It is to welcome them, clamping down on them, getting angry about being nervous, beating yourself up just is going to make them grow louder. We have to just realize our nerves are just there to protect us. It's picked up a cue that something's not safe. Okay. They're simply part of our survival mechanism. They're not the big bad of the story. So my first advice is always to just recognize they're there with you. My next advice is to focus on the exhale because breathing in, is great. 
but it actually engages the sympathetic nervous system, which is the adrenaline, right? It's so interesting when you actually look at the biology of all this stuff, which is what I've been um, spending the past month studying. Nice. The exhale is where the parasympathetic is engaged, which is the rest, restore, relaxation, and all the chemicals that come with that. So holding the exhale out a little longer helps with that. I mean, you see that when you go to the chiropractor and get an adjustment or massage, as they're working deep into something, they'll have you exhale, 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 exhale. And that's sometimes where the adjustment happens. Um, It's just so, I have a lot more to say, but I'd leave it at those two things. It's, It's funny because this is something I'm passionate about as well, because I'm someone who also, especially at the beginning used to get so nervous in the room and it, it changes for different people. Like I, and I, I teach this now also because I teach communication skills. So I'll teach Mm. public speaking. And so I've used a lot of my acting stuff to get into that. But point being is, um, so my nerves would come in my cheeks. I would twitch. My, Mm -hmm. my cheeks would twitch, but I've seen people whose handshake. I've also been a reader in many rooms. So you see all of it too. Um, and so those are fantastic tips first of all. Um, but also I tell people to shake it out too, because sometimes if you have these like pockets of tension is what I call them in different parts of your body, shaking it out, like right before you go into anything, we'll shake that those nerves. So it's not just like holding and, and creating this like tightness in certain parts of your body, specifically your torso, your extremities tend to be forgotten. So having that like dispersed throughout the body has always helped me too. Movement is everything. It's everything. I yes. can't wait to read your book. I am very excited, both as like a communications coach at, and as an actress. Yeah. I'm like, oh, this is going to be so good. I can tell. It's, it's going to be really, I, I, I'm very excited to be writing it. Um, but yes, movement, I think is everything. And uh, it's, um, and then it's the allowing of it. Cause you're absolutely right. I mean, one of my favorite actresses, she's just bright red, bright red while she was working, but she always got hired. We could always see her beyond that. I think that's oh. what really matters. Is it like she could still do her work? Okay. So like there's, there's like different parts of where the nervous energy affects you. Wow. If the nervous energy allows you still to take the leap and be in the world of the script and the journey, and we see your work, then just let it be. If the nervous energy actually interferes and blocks you and shuts you down in a it's way that down. suddenly you're in a, in more of a freeze or, or fight or flight state, then that's something that has to be addressed really regularly until it passes in the audition. And, so and, good. So and sometimes good. it's who you're in the room with, you know? True. I, I think people forget too, that certain, you know, casting directors or certain directors are going to have a different effect on you. You'd be yes. like, why is that person? I'm, why am I so comfortable with that person? And I'm just never comfortable with this person. And I think we, we get in our heads about everything. It's safety cues. It's safety cues. Safety cues. Oh. Our nervous system picks that stuff up. That's why sometimes when you walk in a room and you see no one like you, your nervous system goes right into fight or flight. When you walk in a room, and you see someone like you, you can feel safe. It's just something as a casting director, I think is really important to keep in mind. So like when, when you look around your office and you're like, oh, this is what everyone looks like. Be aware when people walk in, it's, it's subliminal. It's not something that they're, even as an actor, you could be conscious of it's affecting you, but it has effect. So, you know, when we're holding a space, we have to be aware of that. Okay. So the next one. Hi, Julie. I'm Corey Leger. I'm an actor and a voiceover artist. And my question today is about self-tapes, just like I'm sure many people's are. Um, I'm wondering how you feel about self-tapes specifically and how shifting towards the self-tape model has changed the dynamic in the casting office for you, for directors and for actors. Uh, I personally 
love the shift towards self-tapes. I'm a new mom, and I find them to be a lot more manageable with, you know, new mom life. So I'm wondering if this is something that we can expect to be around long term. What do you think? You don't have a crystal ball, but just in your opinion. My opinion is there will always be a self-tape world now. It's something we've all discovered really works. It was already starting before the pandemic. Yes. Okay. So yes, I think it will stick around. It would be nice to have it in the room option for actors, especially the ones that it doesn't work for. Mm-hmm. And especially for the ones that might not be in an economic place that can afford the whole setup. Hopefully there'll be a hybrid of it eventually. I love it and also have mixed feelings about it at the same time. I mean, for me, it allows me to see a lot more actors, you know, it's like a session for one role might be 10 in the room, whereas self tapes could be 30. So I'm seeing 65% more people, I think, if not more, I mean, I've, I've actually spoken to everyone in my office to kind of get the numbers and they're so high. I can't really, you know, it's, it's amazing. So what it does for me is it it opens me up to a whole other part of the talent pool um, that is really inspiring and even if someone's not right for this particular role I'm looking at, you know, I keep them in mind for something else. So it, it just has, it just has felt like it's really open stuff up um, to get to know talent. I miss being in the room. I miss reading with people. I miss working with people. I miss that part of the storytelling. Of course. But I, I also love the fact that I can hit pause and be like, okay, I just need a break. Yeah. I can take a walk. I can play with the dog. I can come back to it. Whereas, you know, when you get in the room and you start feeling that burnout, you're like, okay, drink some coffee. You know, how do you push you through keep the going? Right, right, right. Yeah. And, you know, and it really does cut it down to the work. So there's not, there's not as much, you know, the entrance and exits are hard for people as an actor coming in the room, you know, transitioning people into the room, transitioning people out of the room. Those yeah. are, those are real skills sets that are part of casting. And so, mm. but they're also a lot of work. So not having to navigate that is also really nice, but I, I do miss it. I miss you guys. Do you watch the whole tape? I know a lot of actors talk sometimes about like, sometimes they'll, they'll be asked for like three scenes and they're like, I feel like they'll know within the first scene if I'm the right person or not. And granted, it's good for you guys to have the differences and to have, usually you assign scenes that are going to differ in emotionality or like character relationship, all the stuff you need to see. But do you often watch the whole thing? Or is it kind of one of those things where you're just like, I see it. They're really just not the right person for this. I'll keep them in mind for something else, but I'm not going to be able to watch everything. If that makes sense. It does make sense. So I send the sides out with the intention that I'm watching everything. I don't want to ask that of you and then not follow through of it on my end, but you are correct. It is pretty instant when someone pops on the screen. Is that the story that matches the story we need to tell? Same way you walk in the room. Of course. Same thing. So the difference is now, instead of like, me reading with you and having to do this ultra focused thing, I can sit back and enjoy it. <laughs> I can just be like, okay, yeah, yeah, they're not right for the role, but who are they? What are they right for? You're here. I'm watching. I can check your resume at the same time. You know, I can be there present in a different form than if you're sitting in front of me where I have to be, be so connected to you. And my brain has to work to like be in the performance with you. This actually that. allows me to think more to like go and take notes and to be like, yeah, oh, what about this? Or oh, this is where they fit in or, you know, or I'd love That's to see. Very good point. Yeah. Or you, don't, you don't have to them. do the other stuff. You don't have to like all that energy and that time and that 
uh, mental recall, like all, all of that is mental energy that you're going to now like uh, just having them enter and exit a room, all that stuff, explain things to them, the directions, the, do you have any questions? Okay. We're about to start. Oh, do you need to fix that? Okay. Fix that. Oh, the mic isn't working. Like all that stuff. You now just get to be in it as much as, you know, that's nice. I, yeah. I can, I can be a different kind of support is what it looks. If you were, if you want to phrase it in the way I'm a different huh. kind of support system for you now, but I am that. And I believe most of us are that I won't say everybody, but yeah. you know, not everybody in the room was that, but yeah. you know, I think, I think everyone I know, you know, that's, that's the space that, you know, I think we all understand that our contract with you is, is if we sent you a self tape request, we watch it. Well, thank you. We appreciate that. Of course. Um, do you have some sort of database or some sort of collection of actors? I mean, I think I used to hear more about like like a collection of headshots, and I feel like that's obviously not the case anymore. So, like, do you? How do you manage to collect? This, I don't want to say people because that sounds weird, but you know what I mean. Like, how do you? How do you organize and be able to collect? actors, if you will. I, I call Ross, CJ and Kim. I, uh, it's that I call Ross, CJ and Kim. I'm like, it's the person. And it was like, it's like, it used to be really fun. Cause in the office, it would be like casting director charades. I'd be like, okay. Yes. They came in and they scratched and, and CJ. And they had a red sheet, they had a red shirt and you're like, yeah, or they uh, sneezed or they walked they in with a coffee cup, you know, like, like CJ was like CJ's mind was like a trap. It was I just love like, CJ. I could, I could come with like a half of a word. So she always won the casting director charade games with me. Okay. But yeah, so that was part Funny. of the process. It's still, I still text them. It's still part of the process, but I have tons of lists and tons of, um, uh, search engines on the computer. Good. So that's that I, I wish, you know, like I definitely, you know, I hear all the different stories of, of my peers and how organized they are. I'm not, you know, what I respond to more is, is my taste of actors I like versus necessarily cataloging everyone I see. So that's part of how I work is like, who do I respond to? And when yeah. we were all in the room together, I would always note something, especially with CJ and Kim, I would just be like for the XYZ or if we need XYZ and that would really help me remember. Yeah. yeah. And, and would, it, would help, it, would, it would help them also remember it for me. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That is yeah. so funny to think about that. You guys just like having that like actor charades, if you will. Um, I have, I have one more question. Okay. Hi, Julie. This is voice actor Linnea Sage. I'd love to know if you've ever cast for any animated shows or features and how you feel the casting process compares to live action. If you haven't yet, is it something you'd ever consider in the future? I haven't. And I would love to. Excellent. I'm excited to hear about that one day. You're going to be like, you know, that stuck with we, me. And uh, now I'm worried. We're taking on an animated feature. Who knows? Um, yeah, I, mean, I love them. I love them to watch. So yeah, why not? I mean, it's a different yeah. process, but it's similar. Um, I have one more question. I always ask my mentors at the end of the interview, which is what is your definition of success? Oh, a restful night's sleep. <laughs> Okay. Um, what is my, yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> uh, sleep, you know, like yeah, getting like to a like good, a good like quality of that, sleep, amount of knowing sleep, that, <laughs> right. Knowing that the boxes were checked in that day and, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, 
there's an ordinariness to what I define as success, you know, like that's, that to me is like having that kind of ordinary life where I am of service and also have space to rest and have self-care to me is, you know, that that's what success is at this stage in life, you know? So it's, it sounds like a balance. It's, it's, it's absolutely a balance. And I think the key thing is always remembering that it doesn't have to be balanced to become balanced. It can be off balance all the time. I mean, it's one of the things as I'm back to the nervous system, I'll leave with this, as I studied that nervous system, a healthy nervous system is one that responds and then recovers. So it's not that we're not supposed to be nervous. Of course, we're supposed to be nervous. Of course, we're supposed to have these feelings. It's how we recover from them. So that to me is also part of what I look at success. Success is the constant ability to just catch your breath, be in the feeling of the moment and then recover and move forward, you know? And staying true to like your own voice. That's probably really what success is, is that authenticity. Well, that's a good place to end on as any. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you so it's been such a joy chatting with you. So, so great. Thank you. And have a wonderful day. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you haven't yet, do me a favor, drop a five-star review, follow on Spotify, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts, and find me on Instagram. I'm at at Michelle Simone Miller and at Mentors on the Mic. Share this in your stories. Let me know what you think. Share it with a friend, and I'll see you next time.